You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. And then Chris spoke about the, um, about the uh, Westside 101 class this afternoon, and it's going to be this afternoon at 3 and also next week. If you're newer to Westside, I urge you uh, to be there. This is where you can make that decision. Is God actually calling us to Westside? If so, what do we do about it? And if you're not sure what your next step is uh, in serving the Lord or in, in, in uh, being part of Westside, we have a huge graphic in the back by the Welcome Center, and you can look on there, and it's like a, a follow the numbers, what's my next step <laughs> to becoming a fully functioning uh, member of the body. And so I just want to encourage you, and uh, the Lord prompted me right before the service started this morning, I just want to talk about this just for a minute. Uh, for you to be connected, uh, there, has, there has to be a, a couple things that take place. Um, there has to be established relationships. And the Bible talks in Ephesians about how all our joints connect different bones, different parts of our body together, and that joint is relationship. And if you don't have those relationships, then you're disjointed, you're, connect, you're not connected, and the life flow doesn't flow through to you. And so two big deals is you need to have relationships, friendships, and you need to be doing something. You need to have a function. All parts of my body have a function. Even the parts that aren't seen have a function. If, if God's called you to be part of Westside, you do need to be plugged into a small group. There's too many people at Westside uh, for you to know everybody. There was a time when we did know everybody, and we not only knew everybody, but we knew everything about everybody. <laughs> and that time is long gone. But that small group connection in the New Testament, it says they met from house to house. That small group connection still has to take place. That's why we have some 24 or 5 uh, small groups in, in Westside. There's one where you can get plugged in, where you know people, where you know their name, where they know your name. Uh, and so you're being known and you're letting people know and then you're knowing them as well. And so those relationship building times are absolutely vital. And then if you're not serving somewhere at Westside, there's a, there's a place for every single person to serve. And uh, you should be serving somewhere. As part of the body of Christ, you all have a function, you all have gifts. So serve in the area that you have passion for. Uh, if you like kids, uh, ask Tyler and Kylie, how do I get connected in Westside Kids? If you like uh, singing or playing an instrument... I think that we should have a violin up here. I think that we should have a flute up here. I think we should have a saxophone up here. I think we should have four bass players instead of making poor old Peter play every week. And, and I think we should have uh, a lot of a variety and, uh, up here. And there's some of you have a gift that you're not using. And uh, come, come and... Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, there, there are people that don't, they're, they're not upfront people, but they like to work behind the scenes, maybe on our uh, food ministry where we put on food for special events or take food to people for, for uh, funerals or when they're in the hospital or we have a whole bunch of guys that come and use their skills because they can swing a hammer. They go, I remember uh, years ago, Dave uh, Freestat came to me and said, I'm not going to ever preach probably in front of here, but I can swing a hammer. What can we do down in Mexico? To, and we, because of that, we've established a huge connection and relationship with the church uh, down in Ensenada. And so there's something for everybody. We have a group of ladies that come in and sew the chairs, all the rips in these chairs uh, that seem to be uh, appearing more and more frequently because some of these chairs are 16 years old and uh, some of them are only 8 years old. 
And so uh, there's administrative stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, there's hosting when people come from out of town. There's, there's, there's just any number of things. So please sign up at the Wel- Welcome Center or ask where you can get plugged in. And if you haven't been to 101, please, my personal invitation, Terry and I will be there with some of the pastors this afternoon. Uh, it'll be a very informal time. Nobody's put on the spot and a uh, chance to ask questions. And uh, love to see you there. So... Um, Probably the greatest event happening today is that it is the 70th birthday of our very own Randy Thompson. So, <laughs> Randy's one of our elders here at Westside, and uh, he's really an elder elder, and uh, But he's a pioneer, too, because now we have elders in, in Westside on the eldership team. We have eight elders. We have elders in their 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s. Isn't that great? And so we're really spanning the universe here. <laughs> but I just want to affirm Randy. Randy is one of those guys who, who loves God. You think he loves you? He loves God more, actually. You think he loves his wife? He and, he and Corrine have a wonderful marriage, great example of marriage. Uh, he loves Jesus more than he loves his wife. And he loves his wife. And he loves you. Uh, he's a great pastor. got a wonderful pastor's heart. And so, so proud to be on team with you, Randy. Happy birthday. Yay. We are on number two of Strong, Healthy Families. And we started it last week at Easter. And I just want to reaffirm, families come in all shapes and sizes, whether it's your immediate family, whether you're an average family of mom and dad and 2.5 kids, whether you're a blended family or a single parent family, or you're, you're, you're a single person connected to a family with your extended family, or your small group family that has become family for many of our people. Families come. There's a family here at Westside Church. And so uh, this applies, the stuff that we're teaching last week through Mother's Day on Strong Healthy Families Uh, It applies to you personally. And that's where we need to take this. Apply it to us before you apply it to your spouse. All right? Let the Holy Spirit work on them and you apply it to yourself. And uh, first, before we apply it to uh, somebody else or poke them like this uh, during the sermon. All right? Last week we talked about strong, healthy families. Uh, The absolute foundation is a strong, healthy individual's. And to be a strong, healthy individual, you need to have that wonderful relationship and the life and the freedom that comes with knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So today, uh, we're going to get into uh, strong, healthy families are looking forward, forward looking, forward thinking. All through the Bible, uh, we see this uh, theme running through is that we look forward. We can't do anything that has happened behind us. Even something that happened 10 seconds ago, we can't change that. It is now history. Uh, All we can do is change what comes ahead. And that has to do with one of the big three. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. At the end of that chapter, the love chapter, uh, he says, now uh, these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so a lot of times we forget about faith and hope. They're one of the big three. All right, And hope is one of those. Hope is not wishful thinking. Oh, I hope I win the lottery. All right, That's not what we're talking about, hope here. 
or I hope, you know, we get to go to that brunch right after this morning. Some of you already can smell those sizzling fajitas coming up, and you're going to go somewhere after and eat uh, afterwards. Are you hungry? All right. So uh, you're hoping for a good lunch, all right, and or a brunch this morning. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is a future certainty based upon a present reality. In other words, the future is certain as far as you're concerned. That's your hope. But it's not just wishful thinking. It's based on a present reality. So our future, our our hope, our trust in God for eternity, for healthy families, for strong marriages, for our kids growing up to love Jesus radically, our hope is not just wishful thinking, but there's, it's based in reality. And the present reality is that God is faithful. He is true to his word. He always has been. He always will be. And his faithfulness will uh, sustain us. He rose from the dead, just like he said he would. So our hope is in Christ. I've got a couple of scriptures. Uh, the first one is lengthy. And it's just a picture of uh, our walk with God. And people who don't walk with God. And in this passage here, it uses the word Gentiles, people who don't walk with God. That's how it applies to us today. In the old days, it was people who were Jewish and people who weren't. Today, it applies to people who have a relationship with Jesus and those who don't. And it's a, um, it's a generalization. Like if I said to you right now, man, America is in tough times. Our morals have gone down. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about generally, all right? And so this is what Paul is talking about in here. So don't take it as a, an accusation against you personally. So um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. You may see a lot of people in your sphere of influence, people who you know who have no hope. They're just confused. Uh, there's no way forward for them. They're just existing, and they don't know why we're here or where we're headed, those kind of things. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. That's disgrace or regret. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind uh, of impurity. So Paul is talking generally here, not about every single person, all right? He's just generally in our culture. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's the thing that we're doing looking forward. Put on your new nature. That is totally saying, let's listen, let's... Let's put on the new. Let's look forward. And so here's where we are. That's reality. Are you where you want to be? Are you as mature as you want to be? Do you love God as much as you want to love God? Do you read His Word as much as you want to? That's the ideal over here. There's very few of us who live in the ideal, except Randy. So they're over here in the ideal. The rest of us are in reality. And we're moving from the real to the ideal. All right? That is a good place to be. I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. This is where I am. Praise God, I'm moving forward. Okay? That's what Paul's talking about here. 
Uh, so put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's really good marriage advice. Don't ever, 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 ever go to bed angry. Deal with it today while the sun's still up. This is what Paul's saying. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, King James says. And so there's a, a big reason for it. The mercies of God are new every morning. And what happened the night before doesn't quite seem so bad in the morning. And we let a whole lot of those kind of days go by, and pretty soon there's this underlying resentment and bitterness built up because we haven't dealt with things day by day by day by day. Keep, keep the slate clear. Wipe that chalkboard or whiteboard or uh, what's the little thing where you... Etch a sketch, yeah. The one that Elf was real good at. Wipe that clean every day. His mercies are new every day. But if we just sweep it under the rug, it just gets kind of dull and confusing. And pretty soon this thing is built up and we don't know where it came from. We're just angry and, and resentful. And so, if you're a thief, quit stealing. I'd love that. It doesn't say, if you're a thief, go to counseling. Find out why, you know. Somebody stole your eraser in first grade, and you haven't gotten over it, so now you're allowed to steal. And You know, it just says, stop it. If you're a liar, stop it. If you're a thief, stop it. It, it, and, and, and we'll do some more verses like that. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. If you follow that one right there, some of your best jokes you can never tell again. <laughs> Just put them away, all right? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow or do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. That's another whole preach. Our identity is in Christ. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid, here it is, of all bitterness. How much is all? Mm, that's all. Get rid of all of it. It doesn't say counsel it out. It doesn't say meditate it out. Get rid of it, Paul says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. You know what slander is? Slander is telling the truth about somebody with the intention of injuring them. I told the truth. I just said the truth. Yeah, but you knew that that would cause their reputation to decline. And it wasn't right that you said that. There's no reason for you to repeat that. As well as all types of evil. Get rid of all those things. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. He forgave us because we asked Him. We, in turn, forgive others. So, that's what... We're talking about it's a picture of moving forward. And then the next passage I want to read before we get into the talk this morning is a section out of very uh, um, that same 1 Corinthians 13. It's a very popular 
chapter in the Bible. I, I go through this every time I marry a couple and uh, talk to them about the definition of what true love is. And uh, this will help us as we move forward from the real to the ideal. And we're going to read this now and then dissect it a bit. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. All right, that's a beautiful, beautiful section, section of Scripture there. So let's take that apart. Number one, love never gives up. Love bears all things. Love never gives up. Um, love always protects. In, um, in the Greek word for, for bears all things, it means to, uh, one of its definitions is to cover with silence. That means I'm going to bear this and I'm going to do it in silence. I'm not going to expose you. I'm going to bear all things or to patiently endure. Um, like you're in a cabin and your family's uh, uh, out there. I don't know where I got this picture from or if it's ever happened, but the cabin is unstable. It starts to lean over and fall and the dad gets up there and he starts holding the wall and he says, get out, get out, get out, right? He's bearing all things. Or... Uh, that minotaur holding up the gate in Prince Caspian, you know, so all his friends can get out. That, that big thing holding up that heavy gate, he's bearing this uh, to protect others. Or Jesus bearing our sins on the cross that we sung about uh, this morning. So it's not just uh, talking about hiding sin and shoving sin un- under the carpet. Um, it's not telling somebody to endure abuse which I don't believe somebody should uh, endure, have to endure a, abuse, but it's to protect somebody from embarrassment. It's to uh, uh, refuse to do or participate in gossip or do people harm. Um, love takes no pleasure in exposing the wrong and the weaknesses of others. That's bearing all things. Love protects and shields and guards and covers and conceals and safeguards people from exposure. Number two, love never loses faith. That's love believes all things. Love always trusts here. It means um, not only that we will never lose faith, but it also means that we're willing to think the best of others. doesn't mean that we have to be gullible and believe everything, but we always choose to believe the best about some, somebody. Somebody says something or somebody does something. You can choose to believe the worst, and that gets itself into cynicism and criticism, and, uh, or you can choose to believe the best uh, about people. It means that they're willing to think the best as opposed to the worst of others. Love gives people the benefit of the doubt. Cut them some slack. That's what that says. Um, and in the body here, when, when bel- believers um, do that um, and we deal with conflict, when we believe the best about others, we, where we willingly think about 
the best of others, that leaves us free as a church, leaves your marriage free to be open, to be honest, because you're going to reveal something, all right, and people are going to believe the best about it. You're trying to share yourself. You're trying to expose your life. You're trying to be accountable, and people will choose to believe the best and not take that and use that against you. Love strains forward with all its might to believe the very best about someone in every situation. Number three, love is always hopeful. Love hopes all things. So because love always hopes, uh, believers who love look forward, not backward. Believers who love look forward, not backward. So they're seeking for growth. They're seeking for maturity in the church, in their marriages, in their families. You're always looking forward. They know that if you fail, that's not the end. You're looking forward. They trust in God who promises. They know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according uh, to His purposes. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything give thanks. I'm not giving thanks for that. That was no good. But in the midst of that, I can give thanks. There's a big difference. And so love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. I love that. And number four, love endures through every circumstance. Love endures through every circumstance. Love endures all things. So because love always perseveres, um, the believers who love are active and steadfast in their faith. If you're a family, a healthy family, looking forward, you're active, you're, you're faithful, you're steadfast, we're enduring, we hold on no matter what. There's a remnant of people sitting in this room right now that 16 years ago when Terry and I came and the church was down under 30 people, uh, that they had held on, come hell or high water, and they had prayed for God to bring redemption to what they knew was His design at the beginning. And they held on, they persevered. And because of that, the church is better for it today. People hold on when others suffer persecution or suffering uh, in the body. They face persecution. We, you know, when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. And, and uh, they hang on. They hang on when, when the going gets tough. It's one of my favorite cartoons right here. Uh, putting up here, never give up. I love that. <laughs> You're not going to swallow me because I'm holding on. I'm not only closing your throat, <laughs> I'm not letting go. <laughs> we never, ever, ever, ever give up. We strive to save our marriages no matter what. We don't give up. Uh, we continue to trust in God despite setbacks. We don't give up. Uh, we continue to serve God despite sorrow or failure. We never give up. And, and when believers truly persevere, nothing will stop them. Love never quits. Love never surrenders. And love never gives up. Because it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And here's the truth. I wish I could make it otherwise, but I can't. It may not be in this lifetime, but it will be in eternity. It's going to get better. We have hope. We are looking forward. 
if we could ask God to give us just a little glimpse into eternity and what a blip of of time we are on right now compared to eternity. A few months ago, I got that long old white rope here and I said, this is our life. This is eternity. It just goes on forever and ever and ever. This little tiny little red tip at the end, that's our life here. And we live our whole life trying to, you know, prepare for our retirement for here. You know, it's like, this. We're, we're living for this instead of living for that. And so we're always, always looking forward. It's going to get better. All right. So let's uh, put some little application to this. What does it mean for us? Uh, number one, this is, this is a verb here, understand. Understand that everyone is on a journey. Not just the person who irritates us, Everyone is on a journey, including me. Everyone is a sinner saved by grace, including me. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished next week. No, that God will be working on us until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know when the day of Jesus Christ is? I know exactly when it is. Here's my day of Jesus Christ. Be ready? It's the day you die or the day Jesus comes back. When you see Jesus, that's the day of Jesus Christ. And God's going to work on you. No one can say they've arrived. Even, heaven forbid, Randy... Right? Nobody can say that, that I've arrived, I've achieved the pinnacle, I've achieved the pinnacle of spirituality and goodness and the embodiment of all the things that are Jesus. No, we're all on this journey. We're living in the real. We're working toward the ideal. And God is at work in us. He's sandpapering off the rough spots and chiseling off some big spots. Those are the ones that really hurt. And, and so he's doing this to mold us and to shape us into the person he's called us to be. Actually, that's a theological term. It's called sanctification. Justification, we talked about last week. We are saved. It's instantaneous. We will go to heaven. Our sins are forgiven. Sanctification is after that happens, now we have this process, this journey of becoming more like Jesus. And sometimes it's very painful and it's long. It takes a long time. So we are saved and we are being saved And there's a third one, glorification. We will be saved. All right? So all of these things are are true. Number two. You ready? Got the thing? Choose to look at people like Jesus does. Choose to look at people like Jesus does. I asked Terry to share this because she's got some good revelation on it. Good morning. Steve and I have been married 42 years. And we've been happily married 36 of those 42 (laughs) Isn't that great? <laughs> there was a time as a young married woman, I, we ha- I had children, we had children, and um, I thought, I do things better than he does them. I make decisions better than Steve does. I don't know why 
<laughs> I don't know why he made that decision. I don't know why he does that. I don't know why he acts that way. I don't know why. And this resentment started to build up. Now, somehow I knew not to talk to others about him, but I talked to myself about him. So inside, in my mind, I'm like rolling my eyes, you know, bad attitude, bad heart. And I'm thinking, oh, why does he do that? Why isn't he more like me? Why can't he be like me? (laughs) And, you know, I'm selfish and I want what I want. I want it my way. And uh, after a while of that, probably too long, weeks, months, years, I clearly heard God say this to me. He said, that's my son you're talking about. That's my son, Steve, that I died for. That's my son, Steve, that you're thinking those thoughts about. That's my son, Steve, that you have this harboring, this hatred and ugliness in your heart toward. That's my son. And it just hit me. I'm like, oh, God, forgive me. Because as a mom, if anybody on the playground thought horrible things about my kids or said horrible things to my kids or (laughs) treated my kids the way that I was treating my husband, I would be so angry and hurt and just like, oh, I want to take that pain away. And so God spoke to me. And I said, God, let me see him how you see him. Years later, there were times as a parent raising teenagers where I didn't understand. I was exasperated with my kids and especially my son. And we were just butting heads. I was more like his sister than his mom. (laughs) And uh, I asked God, I said, God, I don't want this relationship with my son. I don't want him to not want to be around me. And, and uh, I asked him, God, would you show me how you see him? Let me see my son, my daughter, the way that you see them. And, you know, he did. And we've got an awesome relationship today. But, you know, if there's anybody in your life that you have those thoughts toward... We can ask God, God, let me see them the way you see them. And you know what? That is a prayer that he's going to answer. You know why? Because it lines up with his word and it lines up with his will for you. See people the way that God sees them. And... Of course, I never thought of her that way because she's perfect. So, <laughs> Number two, choose to look at people like Jesus does. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. If you have your King James, it says, No, no man after the flesh. That's why we put it into today's language. All right, who knows what that means? No, no man after the flesh. But that's what that's talking about. We don't know anybody after our humanity, uh, our humanity's way of thinking things. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. 
how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. And number three, live looking forward. Live looking forward. That's the whole point of today. That's the whole point of an ingredient for a healthy, a strong, healthy family, strong, healthy individuals is live life looking forward. Choose to look forward instead of back. And um, I, was, I was thinking this week in the Bible, I was thinking about people who look back. And the first one that came to my mind was Lot's wife. You know, she looked back, became a pillar of salt. And so... Don't look back. Don't look back at the things that would draw you. You know, her kitchen stuff. Maybe some of her stuff. I don't know why she looked back. A longing, her life, her home. Don't look backwards. So I'm looking online for an illustration of that, and the first thing that popped up was Pinterest, a Lot's Wife salt shaker. <laughs> so I almost ordered it, but I didn't. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> Live life looking forward. It's so sad that uh, many of us live life, you know, we're supposed to walk through life looking forward and walking forward. Many people live life walking forward but looking backwards uh, with regrets, um, disappointments, hurts, and, and that's no way to walk. You, first, you can't see where you're going. First, there's no hope. You don't see what's ahead, the great things that are ahead. You don't see the things around you. It's real difficult to walk forward, looking backwards. And um, you can't change the past. Just even a few seconds ago, we can't change that. We can't undo the past. Sometimes you say things, you'd like to pull those words back in right away, but it's too late. Live life looking forward. And sometimes we live life looking backwards at not regrets, but successes. Oh, remember that touchdown pass I caught in high school 1932. You know, just we're living on these things. And, and it's, you still have time to do more good things and great things. Don't just live in, live in the past. Paul says it in Philippians. This is what I want on my tombstone if I have a tombstone. But I think it's too long. So if they charge like $50 a letter, it would be way too expensive. All right. Thanks. You're perfect. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection or maturity, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Live life looking forward. I'm, this morning, I want to encourage you. Some of you might be in here. You love God. You're serving God to the best of your ability, but you still have these regrets from what happened in the past. I want to ask you today, before God, when we sing this next song, just release those things before Him. Thank Him for, for the forgiveness that you've already asked for. Receive that forgiveness and walk the rest of your life looking forward instead of back. Some of you may have never even asked 
for forgiveness for it, and it's still a heavy load that you're carrying, just release it before God. Lay it at the foot of the cross by faith and say, Jesus, this is actually what you died for. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for doing that. And I want to walk through life looking forward. I I don't want to live in the past or live with regrets. I want to press on. I want to be made perfect and mature like you've called us to do. And I want you to keep doing that. I give you permission to keep doing that in my life until the day I see Jesus. I want to keep growing and moving and looking forward. Amen? Amen. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can meet him. And if you want to ask how, we'd love to pray with you right after we're done here or during the song time. Just come forward and there will be some leaders that would love to pray, pray with you. Seriously, today, ask God to help you walk forward from this point on. That's how you get strong and healthy. That's how you can help be part of a strong, healthy family and a strong, healthy local church. Father, thanks for this word today. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. Um, Terry, thank you for your vulnerability. That was was family. Um, So we're about to close, and we're going to... Uh, we have communion. Uh, we have the elements up front and in back. Uh, Jesus said, as often as you will, uh, remember what I did on the cross. And I believe, uh, um, more importantly, of course, he suffered. We know that. Uh, but the thing that happened on the cross is, is we have freedom through what he did on the cross. And we had this hope. And he wants you to remember that. And it cost him a lot. Um, also, we have our, our baskets up here in the back for our, our, t- our giving, our tithes. And I just wanted to read um, about the cheerful giver. This is the the word of God. Uh, He writes this. um, The point is this, says the Lord. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. So it's a hard thing. There's no condemnation ever in that. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And it's kind of like, um, you know, if I were to give a, um, a box of cornflakes, that was my offering, right? Cornflakes. Uh, what the Lord does with that is he'll take that box for me and he'll go get a box and he'll crush that thing down and he'll cr- all those cornflakes. And, you know, it's this big of a box. But then you have that much there. Then he'll crush down another one for me in some way, and another one, and another one, and another one. And that's how he gives back. And it's his word, and he is faithful. And I don't know how that happens, but it happens uh, because his word can't be broken. So just uh, remember that. Let's stand and worship.
We love you all. If you like prayer, please come up and we'd love to pray for you. If you have, uh, if you have questions about the Lord or giving your heart to the Lord, please come up. We'd love to talk to you about that.